Welcome to another Psych Matters podcast from the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. Psych Matters is a series of discussions on training and practice issues facing trainees and fellows of the college and other important topics in mental health. This episode of Psych Matters discusses the Australian psychiatric healthcare implications of the advent of managed care in private health insurance with the recent emergence of a private company that can selectively contract with healthcare providers on behalf of insurers. The basic characteristics of managed care, selective contracting, financial incentives for performance and utilisation management, present significant challenges for psychiatric care in Australia, especially in the context of the failures of managed care in the United States where it originated. Professor Geoffrey Louie and Dr William Pring present the healthcare policy background and discuss the clinical implications of managed care. Welcome to this Psych Matters podcast, an update on private health insurance, managed care implications for psychiatric practice and aimed at our psychiatrist colleagues in public and private practice to give a good background in this area. I'm Geoffrey Louie from the ANU Medical School and also from the section of private practice psychiatry within the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. I'm joined today by Dr. William Pring, who's also working with the section of private practice psychiatry, is a private practice psychiatrist and also affiliated with Monash University. I'll start off with an introduction and some background material about private health insurance in Australia to help set the context and Bill will follow up after that with some information on the clinical practice implications of managed care in the Australian environment and what it might mean for us in the future. We'll close up with a brief discussion of some of the areas that we see as really important and pertinent at the present time and we will provide some links to information that's relevant to what we've discussed as we've done for other podcasts. So to start off with, I wanted to explain the context for colleagues here in Australia about private health insurance. So Australia's provision of healthcare services in the broad brush involves both the public and the private sector. And the interesting context is that there are elements that are seen in the private sector situation that echo what are problems that are evident in the public sector system with the present time because in fact public sector services are in some ways could be considered aspects of a managed care system with resource constraints. So in Australia the majority of healthcare provision is either through specifically through the public or the private sectors and the public sector system has a comprehensive type of insurance which provides hospital care for people in the state hospital system and subsidised care in relation to provision of care for outpatient appointments as well as aspects of inpatient care if it is in the public system. The private health system primarily involves the private hospital system but also outpatient appointments and the provision of this in Australia is roughly about uh, 33% in terms of the total spend on healthcare spending, with about 18% of this coming out of out-of-pocket costs for the consumers. And another proportion of this, which is smaller, is actually 8.1%, which comes from the private health insurers, with the rest of this component made up by the uh, workers' compensation schemes. 
So what are we talking about when we're talking about managed care? Firstly, we have to understand the private health insurance system. And in Australia, we have private health insurance, which is generally regulated by the Australian government through the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority. And this provides for a comprehensive health insurance system, which provides cover for aspects of uh, hospital-related care and services, but also some additional well-being type services, including optical and dental. So the private health insurance covers that environment. And why is it important now? Well, recently, through uh, NIB, there has been the formation of a company that is able to now, with the approval of the ACCC, purchase services in through negotiation with individual providers, hospitals, or other healthcare providers. And this is a change in the existing healthcare environment, which echoes the changes that started to arise in the United States and also foreshadowed with this sort of development here in Australia. So in the United States environment, which is the prototype of what's happened with managed care, the health insurance system started off initially with a cooperative system where people had access to health insurance through the combination of services that were provided by the American Hospitals Association and the original forms of cover, which were comprehensive types of health insurance through Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And the United States government followed soon thereafter with Medicare and Medicaid, which are similar styles of comprehensive insurance, specifically for people with low incomes or disabilities, and also people who are aged. So these models started in, in the States, but soon came to be colonized by a, the emergence of a capitated payment system, which was uh, the first example of which was Kaiser Permanente, which was a capitated system that provided services through an organization which had fiscal control of the purchasing of health services. And this model is what is called managed care. What do we specifically mean by managed care? Managed care in this context means that the services are purchased from providers and controlled in these environments so that there is an element of control in terms of choice of provider of services. There is also control of the fiscal efficiency of the services and there are caps on the amount of services that can be provided. So that there are very strong elements of control of the managed care in the managed care environment. And in America, what has happened is that it's led to the establishment of what have been called managed behavioral care organizations, which in turn have contracted to the various health insurance companies to provide another level of care as they can sometimes work across a number of private health insurers to provide these packaged services. So in this model, it might seem that the model would have some efficiencies, but what has happened certainly and emerged in America 
that the managed care system has had serious concerns in relation to the ability for patients to access the psychiatrist or health professional of their choice in mental health services because the managed care providers restrict that choice to people who have signed contracts with the managed care provider that is the private health insurer. The other aspect is that there are also financial controls on the provision of the care which lead to a degree of capitation and also importantly they the managed care organization determines what types of services a patient can have that is can they have psychological therapy can they have pharmacotherapy can they get access to a hospital and there's the significant gatekeeping role in this aspect of managed care what has happened in the US environment has is that in the US environment there's about 60% of people that actually have private health insurance with a much smaller proportion of people that have public sector insurance through the Medicare and Medicaid systems, which have in fact been now increasingly colonized by managed care organizations running the services for Medicare and Medicaid. So in fact, the whole system has been in a sense significantly privatized. And the consequence of this is that Americans have had increasing problems with access to see the doctors of their choice with the figures in America in terms of the GDP spending on healthcare being 16.16% or greater compared to Australia's percentage of about 9.3% and the OECD average of 8.8%. So there've been very large amounts of spending in terms of their health care and the problem is that in fact in terms of the data that we have seen from the from America they're, they're very catastrophic costs for people in terms of accessing the private health care uh, system so that they have difficulty in accessing a doctor uh, and also their significant costs that because sometimes they can run outside the capitated plan or they cannot access aspects of their care because of the gatekeeping. And one of the concerns expressed in America is that there are restrictions on the access to particular providers, psychiatrists, but also pharmaceuticals and access to hospital uh, facilities. So these are particular concerns that, that, that are evident in, in, the, in the system. And particularly in Australia, we, we have concerns that the establishment of this sort of structure will, will lead to asymmetry because the ability of health insurers such as NIB and indeed the organization that has been set up called Honeysuckle Health has also been freed by NIB to allow for contracting with other private health insurers could create a significant asymmetry in that at least historically and probably now the numbers are greater in 2016, there were 36 private health insurers. So the ability of companies to contract with one provider to purchase services from uh, individual practitioners and also hospitals is quite an asymmetric uh, organization. There, there's also a, a tension in terms of the 
organization of private health insurance between managed care versus traditional private health insurance. Generally, people in traditional private health insurance get in reimbursement for part of their services that they pr provide, either hospital or other uh, allied health or other well-being services. But the capitation with managed care will restrict those uh, availability for patients. And there is particular concern with how competition regulation and antitrust laws will work, depending on the legal framework. And selective contracting of providers could affect uh, practitioners in that practitioners signing up to contracts or groups of practitioners could be regarded as being anti-competitive, which is an unusual situation given that there's been approval given for a company to contract with people. Uh, and so there are the quite significant perils of private psychiatry in, in Australia. And uh, we, we definitely recommend consideration that uh, patients will need to be informed of the perils of managed care by private health insurers and that psychiatrists will need to be involved in arguing for evidence-based psychiatric care that is collaborative co-design with doctors and patients. And we need to know transparently about what the evidence base that is for private health insurers to choose services if they're going to use these managed care structures. And unless we continue to actively monitor and advocate on behalf of patients, there's a risk that there was very significant controls with the capitation, cho choice of provider, and also limitation of services will, will cause significant problems in practice. Uh, I'll soon hand over to Dr. Bill Pring to talk about some of the practicalities about how this uh, affects clinical practice. But the important thing is to understand the context in the real world here in Australia, that there are very significant real-world resource constraints already in the public sector system, which has led to problems with uh, emergency department uh, access block, access to beds, and also difficulty accessing community services in terms of follow-up. And they arise from the real-world loss of funding for public sector mental health services. The concern is with managed care, the application of an organizational structure and fiscal controls will in fact recapitulate some of the problems that exist with the public sector system, but also because of the push effects out of America with the announcement uh, just recently that the Affordable Care Act in the United States has been upheld in a further court review, meaning that the US private health insurers in now similar to Australian private health insurers, have to have a community rating and continue to provide services without discriminating against uh, people because of pre-existing conditions. This, co this causes uh, an environment where there may be interest in American providers or at least American business models in providing managed care type systems in Australia because the Private health insurers here have been concerned about loss of uptake of private health insurance uh, with some real-world drops uh, more recently in terms of private health insurance uptake, but also their the in, the interest in maintaining what are very significant uh, uh, profits uh, that they uh, continue to, to uh, raise. So with that, I might hand over to Bill to 
let, let him talk about some of the practical aspects of managed care in Australia, which might affect uh, psychiatric practice and care for patients. Thank you, Jeff. It's a good time to ask why uh, we might be facing the onset of American-style managed care right now. And I think it's because the Australia's private health insurance system is in deep trouble. The way I read it is that I think uh, it's going to go under at some stage. And so that's why there's a lot of activity both with government and amongst the health insurers to try and work out how it will remain viable. And in case you think that that might not matter, the trouble is that if the private health insurance system in Australia failed very rapidly, then the public health system would not be able to cope with the load of patients that would come its way. The other reason is, as you mentioned, the, the American system is struggling to uh, be able to make profits. And so I think they're looking elsewhere in other countries in order to be able to introduce similar uh, systems, even though in America it seems to have caused uh, a much more expensive health system with less good outcomes uh, than we might have in Australia, for instance. The main things I would focus on in terms of our clinical practice with hospitalisation, outpatient care and collaboration with allied health is that the managed care systems can interfere in all these models of care. It won't just be hospital-based care that will be affected only, but there will be effects on the outpatient-based care because the, the health funds would like to try and vertically integrate the care they provide by signing up practitioners who they will put the limits around and thus hope to decrease costs in, say, mental health care. Now, there are some ethical problems that this type of managed care causes. First of all, there is a clash between public expectations and the payer restrictions uh, that they put around the care available. And the point is that if you sign a contract with a managed care organisation, you are required to remain silent about the restrictions that you may identify. You're not meant to talk about it with the patients. And if you do, you can be sued. So it's a way of trying to control practitioners. And we then become the uh, butt of criticism from consumers because we seem to be restricting and indeed may be restricting care to them. The second major ethical problem is that by corporatizing healthcare services and its delivery, there's a cultural shift from a humanitarian ethos uh, to a business enterprise type of model uh, so that in the culture that develops, there is a reward for business-like behaviour rather than caring behaviour. And so there is a depersonalisation of treatment because of time and money constraints and the stretching of resources. There's a shift from a quality of care type of approach to a conservation of resources type of approach. The other thing that commonly happens is that there is an inherent turmoil as rules that the 
uh, managed care organisations use change. These changes may come about from a continual seeming, in America at least, series of mergers between organisations and also just the management changing uh, the rules around which services will be provided and how much of them. There is also, which can undermine the health professional's own ethical system, is that the managed care organisations often introduce profit incentives that pander to greed and self-interest and thus potentially corrupt us in the work we do with patients. There is also a tendency to selectively use new technologies that may be helpful based on whether it saves the managed care organisations money rather than whether they're good for patients. And so some of the older values that we have cherished to some extent, I think, such as that we, are, we try to be master craftsmen, we try to be altruistic, we try to advocate for our patients and be patient-centred, tends to go out the window if we have large-scale adoption of managed care practices. My final emphasis would be that this is an important time for you as psychiatrists to become really closely involved with both the college and the AMA and especially about these issues of managed care. If the bulk of our colleagues are not interested and do not take a specific interest in this, then we are likely to be overtaken by this uh, seemingly attractive offering and we will be uh, suffering and our patients, more importantly, our patients will be suffering in the future. Yes, thanks, Bill. And the context is that really these imperatives with relation to managed care can be highlighted if we look at some of the figures about what's happened in the Australian healthcare landscape. There's a recent small decline in the percentage of Australians with private health hospital treatment coverage from relatively high of 47.4% in June 2015 to 43.9% in December 2020. There's also been reports of a stagnation of private health insurer income, but this is in has to be contextualized with the fact that the in the second quarter of June to to June 2020 uh, the private health insurers continue to bank uh, one just over 1 billion dollars of profit and that's despite bringing forward some future claims of 1.4 billion so in fact it was 2.4 billion that was listed but uh, 1.4 billion was written off in terms of the profit and there's been a 15.8% rise in administrative costs including management bonuses so there's a real concern that the that this advent of managed care is another attempt to try and sustain the ailing private health sector but also exercise organizational controls which are the selective contracting what you hinted at were there also with relation to financial uh, incentives for for providers which might not be transparent to consumers and for which a systematic review recently showed that the financial incentives in either public or private systems 
were singularly ineffective in improving the quality of care. So that, that part's entirely discredited. And also the controls on the amount of uh, services that can be provided and the types of services that can be provided. There very grave concerns about whether patients can access hospital care, see the doctors, the psychiatrists, especially since psychiatry is very importantly uh, important relationship between the psychiatrist and the patient that is more personalized and empathetic. Any other points that you wanted to bring up, Bill? No, I think they're, they're the main ones. Uh, and uh, just to reinforce the idea that uh, we should get involved with the college and the AMA and try and make this not happen in Australia. We've got a golden opportunity right now to stop it. Thanks, Bill. You've highlighted the very important aspects of why, from an ethical viewpoint, managed care represents particular concerns for the ethos of medical practitioners, including psychiatrists, about the need to provide the best care that we can for patients Notwithstanding that, of course, in any healthcare system, there are resource constraints. However, as a practitioner, and as we've argued in some of our other papers in related topics, we need to continue to advocate for the best standard of care possible for our individual patients. And that very much goes against the grain of selective contracting for uh, financial incentives for improved efficiency and capitated costs. So they're real threats that emerge and I think it's important for psychiatrists as you've said to be aware of this change and be involved if we're not as a fellowship and as a group of psychiatrists and all medical practitioners indeed are not involved in trying to raise these concerns amongst our members fellows but also with patients in the community the problem with managed care is that it will be a monolith that runs over the rights of patients, their effective care. Any other things that you'd want to mention, Bill? Just one other thing is that uh, uh, psychiatrists working in public sector practice should also be concerned about this because it could, if it, if it seemed attractive initially, as it often does, um, to the public sector, uh, state and territory governments, they may well in, try and introduce similar uh, processes in the public sector and that, that would have a similar adverse effect of affecting adversely patient care and probably costing a lot more. Yeah, thank you, Bill. I think that's right because the pattern in general healthcare policy has been in many countries, including the UK, NHS, but particularly in America, is to adopt sometimes business practices without clarifying an, an evidence base that they would be effective in the public sector. And if, like many other potential management fads, including uh, various measures that have been introduced over the years into the public sector, uh, in terms of versions of purchaser-provider splits, this is adopted, it could have also similarly adverse effects. And I thought also when you mentioned there, another aspect that might occur is that the managed care system might superficially seem like a contained system uh, similar to the public sector system, and it may entice some of our 
public sector colleagues to join a managed care organisation, seeing it as a potential privatised version of public sector services. And for the reasons that we've outlined, there are very significant perils. Uh, So I I think we we should close up there with, uh, unless there's any further comments for you, Bill. No, that's good. So thanks very much for listening to our podcast. Bill's going to provide some links and I'll provide some links also to an article that we've given as a background to this once the uh, article is posted up online. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Psych Matters. Feel free to share it with others and keep an eye out for future episodes. Psych Matters is produced by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists.